Hello and welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you listening to our sermons. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find a lot of information at our website, www.cherokeemethodist.com. There you can find bulletins, newsletters, and just a whole bunch of information about things that are going on. Now, if you want to check us out in person, we do have Sunday school at 9 o'clock, followed by worship at 1010. Now, we are journeying together through this season of Lent this year by taking a look at the different I Am statements of Jesus. These I Am statements are only in the Gospel of John. You won't find them anywhere else. And they are statements that Jesus makes about himself. And we're meant to see these statements of claim as claims of divinity, that he is God. And we're meant to see this image or this memory, I guess, of an older story. In Exodus, in the book of Exodus, Moses is encountering God at the burning bush and God is calling him to go back to Egypt and set his people free from slavery. Moses asks God, who are you? Who, who should I tell them sent me? What's your name? And then God gives his name, which translated roughly into English is I am. So, so these I am statements really are Jesus is, is claiming to be divine. So today we're looking at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. This is where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that's a very vague concept it can be hard to know exactly what is meant by that. So we're going to talk about that today in this service sermon. So what, what's going on? What does this mean? What is the context? Well, Jesus says this in the context of offering comfort to his disciples in a conversation about how he's not always going to be with them. I mean, when you look in your gospel, you'll see that John 14 takes place right after Jesus washes his disciples' feet at the Last Supper, predicts Judas's betrayal, and then predicts Peter's denial. I mean, wow, that's heavy dinner conversation, isn't it? And after all of that, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, it makes greater sense when we know the context. And then Jesus goes on to explain that he's going to prepare a place for them, uh, we usually picture a mansion with many rooms in it. Some people take that literally, actually, to mean that in heaven we'll be living in a mansion. Right? So it could be that Jesus is talking about heaven here. Uh, but basically the main theme, however you want to read this, is that uh, God is always present with us. And he makes his home with us, whether we are alive or dead. So Jesus then proceeds to tell the disciples that they know the way to where he is going. And Thomas promptly responds by saying, uh, no, we don't. You haven't told us, so how can we know? You know, I got to say, that's my thought whenever someone tries to describe to me how to get somewhere and they say, you can't miss it. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, Thomas asks, you know, you, you haven't told us where you're going, so how can we know the way? And this is when Jesus gives his I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, all kinds of divinity claims here. Jesus is equating himself with the Father. So Philip asks him 
to show him the Father. And Jesus tells him that anyone who has seen Jesus has already seen the Father. He says, the Father and I are one. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I only do what he tells me to do. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that if you have a bucket list in your life to see the three persons of the Trinity and you've already seen Jesus, you can cross off not only him, but also the Father off of your bucket list. That's because Jesus is the clearest revelation of God that we have ever seen. We have no better picture of God than Jesus. Jesus is how we came to view God as a loving father rather than a bloodthirsty tyrant who must continually have his anger appeased like the volcano gods who require human sacrifice to calm them down. Jesus has made God known more fully than anyone before him. And the author of John makes this clear from the beginning. In John 1.18, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, I read that kind of quick, but that's quite a statement. Really? No one has ever seen God? What about Abraham? What about Moses? He talked with God. He saw God. What about Samuel or David or Jeremiah or Isaiah or many of the others in the Old Testament? John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. The book of Hebrews argues that Jesus is greater than Moses because Moses used a veil to cover his face, but now we see with the veil lifted. So these people in the Old Testament, they did not see God or know God as clearly or as accurately as Jesus has made him known. Now, does that mean that Moses and Abraham and everyone else who came before didn't know God because they didn't see him clearly through Jesus? No, they knew God. Moses talked with him, as I said. They knew God, but just not as clearly as those who walked with Jesus did. They knew God, just not as clearly as we do, since we know God through Jesus more clearly than anyone who didn't know God through Jesus, because Jesus is the clearest picture of God. Or as a pastor named Brian Zahn likes to say, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We didn't used to know this. Now we do. So when Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying he is the way to know God most clearly as God really is, a loving Father. You see, the coming of Jesus decisively altered the relationship between God and humanity. Jesus himself is the tangible expression or presence of God, and Father, the Father can be known through him. All right, so what about this saying where Jesus says, that no one comes to the Father except through him. Does this mean that people cannot know God without knowing about Jesus first? Well, they may get to see and know God somewhat, but not in the sense in which we think. So let me give you an example. Some people will say they can know God through nature, or music, or meditation, or prayer, or whatever, but they, they say they can know God through all these other outside avenues. And what are they telling the truth? Can they really find God that way? Well, sure. 
I, I don't believe God is limited to anything. I think that they could encounter God. I think that they can get to know God through these other avenues, right? People can get a sense of the divine. Plus, then we have to remember, we have a whole bunch of people in the Old Testament who knew God apart from Jesus. So yes, you can know uh, somewhat a sense of the divine without Jesus, but the thing is, Jesus is who makes God clear to us, right? The idea of encountering God seems so mysterious and scary, you know, like in Exodus when the Hebrews were at Mount Sinai and they were coming forward and there's thunder and lightning and a booming, booming voice and the people are afraid and they just have Moses go up. They don't want to go afraid, go up the hill, mountain anymore. They're afraid that they're going to die. The idea of encountering and knowing God sounds scary, but the idea of encountering and knowing Jesus does not or shouldn't. So if you want to understand who God is, understand who Jesus is. Knowing Jesus is the best way to know the Father because Jesus is God. That is the particularity of this statement. If you want to understand who God is, understand who Jesus is because knowing Jesus is the best way to know the Father. But isn't, isn't this great news, folks? Isn't it great to learn that God is like Jesus? <laughs> That's awesome. That means that God is not a judgmental, bloodthirsty monster who's ready to knock you down and point the finger at your imperfections. That means that God is not someone who's going to say he loves you unconditionally and then puts a, puts a bunch of conditions upon that love that are so hard nobody could ever accomplish it, right? Jesus reveals that that this is a God who's ready to rescue us from sin and to love us as we are and for who we can be. This is a God of love who is merciful and willing to show us that mercy on the cross. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, God bless and have a great week.